This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our many differences seeks to show us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Teaching phenom and educational activist Dwayne Reed is my guest. He's been crisscrossing the globe promoting his message of love and equity in education. He's written a new book, Simon B. Ryman. Dwayne Reed, tell me the story of Simon B. Ryman. Yeah, so the origins of Simon B. Ryman, let me let me wrap it for you. Simon Barnes is a kid from the shop. He wants to be a big rapper, but he's still kind of shocked because he's got a big head and he's small for his age. So what's on the outside makes Simon afraid. But what's on the inside, there's something to see. Because he rhymes in his mind what he wants to be. Going to change the whole world one day, you'll see. Because that's Simon, the notorious D-O-G. <laughs> there's got to be a backstory so to that, Barnes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Simon Barnes uh, is an is a 11-year-old from the west side of Chicago. Um, he's small for his age and he has a big head, um, which makes him afraid. He's afraid to use his voice. Um, he's afraid to speak up for himself, even when he's being bullied. Um, but when his teacher, Mr. James, assigns an oral presentation that Simon has to give the first week of school, he's real nervous. He's real afraid. Again. But with the help of his friends, CJ and Maria, the neighborhood DOG crew, and with the help of an unlikely friend, um, a man struggling with homelessness named Sonny, Simon begins to gain the confidence he needs in order to use his voice and make a change in his community. Dwayne, when did you know that this story was in you and that you were going to tell it for these young people? Yeah, I think everyone's got a book in it because everyone's got a story. Um, so after having, you know, taught and spent so much time with these beautiful scholars, um, I, I knew that they needed to see something like, you know, their life on the pages, you know? You get, you get tired of reading Shakespeare. You know, you get tired of reading about, you know, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, a Caucasian boy and his dog. Um, so I, I wanted to share with them stuff that they're already living through um, and celebrate their stories. That's that's why I think, like, the diversity of this book was mad important for my scholars to see. But not only my scholars, not only black kids, but kids from all different backgrounds, because I hope to uh, expand upon their empathy and compassion, right? So when they see Simon, a kid from the west side of Chicago who's insecure like them maybe, but they see him gain this confidence throughout the book. And when they see someone like that in real life down the line, they're going to be like, oh, he likes Simon. I want to rock with this fella. I want to be friends with him. That's why I knew Simon D. Ryman had to get into the hands of readers everywhere. Now, Dwayne Reed, you are a Chicago middle school teacher, one of the first, I think, who really went viral before viral videos were a thing. Tell me about that video, how it came to be, and did you ever expect that millions of people would watch it? <laughs> I never expected for millions of people to watch it. I thought that my fourth grade scholars uh, were going to be the ones and their parents, maybe, and maybe my grandma. Um, but outside of that, didn't really expect it. Um, but what I wanted to do was welcome my scholars to school at the beginning of the school year. Um, I didn't just want to do the boring, hi, my name's Mr. Reed, I'll be your teacher, wah, 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 newsletter. So I said, hello, I'm your teacher. My name's Mr. Reed, and it's very nice to meet you. I'm from Chicago. I love eating pizza, and I dress to impress, but I still rock sneakers. I wanted my kids to know from jump what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, we're going to be doing some learning. We're going to be doing some working, but we're still going to have fun. And that's the kind of energy that I wanted them to know from Rip. 
has rhyme always been important to you? Rhyme has definitely always been important to me. Again, when I was a, a, a child like Simon, I was rhyming in my head. I was making up stories in my head and making them flow. Um, so, of course, when I'm growing up and, you know, I get into my profession as a teacher, I got to bring rhyme into it. We've been teaching the quote-unquote classics for forever. You know, the, uh, the, the Edgar Allan Poe's and the, the Shakespeare. We've been teaching the quote-unquote classics. No, nah, what about the Queen Latifah? What about the Chance the Rapper? What about the Notorious B.I.G. and the Tupac? We got to teach those things. So, of course, I knew I had to bring that energy into the classroom. And everybody likes music. It's transcendent. I guarantee when you hear me rapping, you're going to start bobbing your head. and You're going to say, okay, what's this, what's this man talking about right now? So I had to bring that into the classroom. Of course, had to put that into the book. So, Dwayne, the first time you walk into one of your classrooms and you welcome an entirely new class of middle school students and you open with your rhymes, you got to describe for our listeners, how did the class respond? They burst out in laughter, look at you like you were crazy. What happened? <laughs> no, big smiles, like surprise, like, who is this fool up here standing? Because I stand on top of the table, by the way. Who is this fool standing up on top of the table? Why is he rapping to us? And it's just amazing. I can see it in their eyes. Oh, my gosh. He looks like me. He rapping like me. He rapping like some of our favorite rappers, the Migos, NBA, Youngboy, Gucci, Kanye. Oh, my gosh. This is what this school year is going to be like. And I think I use rap and poetry to connect with my scholars. If I can do anything to reach you at a heart level before I got to start reaching you at a head level, I'm going to do that. So that's what I do. Talk to me about how that completely flips the script and changes the dynamics in your classroom. Yeah, that completely flips the script because it's, it's less I'm the teacher. Um, it's less an approach of I'm the teacher. I'm teaching you things. And it's more an approach of we can all stand to learn from one another. So, you know, if I connect with you and I find out what thing connects us, what special thing connects us, we can grow from there. And it's less, well, here's what you need to know for the test. And it's more, hey, tell me about yourself. And maybe I can start to, to make this curriculum about you. Maybe I can start to make the things we're learning things that you're interested in. When it's relationships first, everything starts to fall into place. When did you know that you were going to pursue a career in education? I knew I was going to pursue education when I dropped out of college for the first time. Um, I, I came back to Chicago, and I was sitting there trying to figure out what to do with my life. Um, and then I went on YouTube and I started just looking up things I might be good at. And teaching came up over and over again. And I, I began to look at, okay, day in the life of a teacher, day in the life of a male teacher, day in the life of a black teacher. And I started to see, I could do this. I like kids. Kids like me some days. <laughs> Let me go ahead and jump into this. And it was at that point when I was probably, what, 23, that I decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher because I want to make a change in the community. Yeah, sure. I want you to do good on the test. Whoopee. But I want you to go back and, you know, withstand the test of time and make a change in your community. And if I can play a part in that, sign me up. ABCs, one, two, three. Everybody, we're talking to Dwayne Reed. You may have seen his viral video, Welcome to the Fourth Grade. It was viewed millions of times since the first day, his, you know, for the, welcoming a class to the first day of school back in 2016. He is now known as America's favorite rapping teacher, and he is an author, because as he just told us, we all have a book in us. The book is called Simon B. Ryman. It's his ode to the black and brown kids that he grew up with in Chicago, whereas 
as we've said, he's now a middle school teacher. Uh, when you put together Simon B. Ryman, Dwayne, you wanted to make sure that the the characters in the book uh, reflected the kids you grew up with, the kids you teach. Uh, talk to me about the importance of representation. Yeah, representation is so important. Um, you know, I, there's one girl in the story, her name is uh, Maria, and um, I had a scholar my first year who was Latinx, and she was the only one in the entire school. But boy, she held her own. She was strong. She she, she wasn't afraid to tell people about themselves. Uh, you know, she was teaching us about her heritage and her culture, and I grew to appreciate that so much. And I think being able to expose readers to different people and different backgrounds and different walks and ways of life is so crucial because, like I mentioned earlier, that helps them develop empathy. That helps them develop understanding. That helps them develop compassion. And I'd rather have compassionate, understanding, and empathetic individuals in this world than those who are not. So if my book and the characters in it, Simon and CJ, who's a big hoot, and, you know, Mr. James, who is the cool teacher, if my book is able to display those things and have people see, oh, no, that's out there, when they come across it in real life, they'll be able to respond more positively. And I feel like I've done my job well. What is it that you're hoping your readers are going to take away from this story? I hope the readers take away that you don't have to be big and you don't have to be loud and you don't have to be a politician and you don't have to be an adult to make a change. You can use your voice. You can find your superpower right now. Simon uses his superpower of rap to make a change in his community and, and help in the homeless community. But you can use your superpower regardless of what it is. If it's rap, if it's art, if it's dance, if it's uh, being kind and thoughtful of others, if it's being a servant, use that superpower. Yo, it ain't a choice. You got to use that voice. I love how you call your students scholars. Tell me why you do that. Man, my mom, <laughs> she was always big on building me up as a kid, um, always with the positive verbal affirmations. And I think the more you tell someone that they are something, the more they'll begin to believe that. Um, unfortunately, I've come across way too many kids who say, man, I'm ugly or, man, I'm, I'm dumb or I'm not this. I'm not going to be that because that's what they've heard. That's what they've heard from others around them. But Imagine growing up hearing your mama say, oh, no, you smart, you beautiful, my handsome baby boy. I wanted to bring that into the classroom. So I want my, my scholars, my students, my kids, my young people, I want them to see themselves as scholarly. I want them to see themselves as educated and being educated. So that's why I call them scholars. It ain't nothing else to it. They're not students. They're not pupils. They're not kids. They're not young people. They are scholars, and they're going to be scholars until the day. They're not, you know, rocking on this earth no more, but that's what they're going to be for forever, ever. Do the parents of the scholars in your classroom know how much they've hit the lottery jackpot when their children get you as their instructor? <laughs> so the par- a lot of parents are caught off guard when they realize that I'm going to be their, um, their child's teacher uh, because I can be a lot. My mom says, Dwayne, you can be kind of a fire hydrant sometimes. I get it. But I think after they get to know me more, and and more importantly, after I get to know them and their needs and what they have for their child, that's when we kind of get this synergy going. And there's 
at first it's Mr. Reed, uh, what the heck are you doing? And then it's, hey, Mr. Reed, you want to come pick up my kid and take him to the show? You want to take him to the movie? Go for it, Mr. Reed. I trust you. So, again, it's all about building and developing that positive relationship and that relationship that says, I'm here for you. In whatever way, capacity that you need for me to be, I'm here for you. And the parents pick up on that because they just want somebody to love their kids like they love their kids. You are a wonderful influence on your scholars. Who influences you? Oh, you already know. My mama is the biggest influence. Mom's is a big influence. Um, Man, I think um, my scholars are an influence on me as well. Like I mentioned, it's not just me teaching them every day. They're teaching me. I tell my kids all the time, look, comparatively, I could throw college away because I learned more with y'all in a school year than I learned in four years of college. So I'm definitely influenced and impacted by, man, their story, which is why I wanted to tell something from their point of view. Um, I'm influenced by the city of Chicago. Man, we, we, we fight. We're tough. We're resilient. We bounce back. All these narratives are out there. Chicago this, Chicago that. Nah, man, come listen to the people here that love to hear, that work here, that, that fight hard here. Um, so I'm inspired and influenced by them. And definitely my faith, my faith in God is a big influence for me as well. So Man, I'm definitely getting getting the, getting the energy from everywhere. Dwayne Reed, congratulations on the book. Wonderful. Simon B. Ryman, uh, how can our listeners stay connected to this incredible vibe of positive energy that you you emit? Uh, can we follow you on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Where can we, you know, those of us in Atlanta get a little touch and a little taste of what you've got going on in Chicago? <laughs> well, shout out to the A, number one. But y'all can definitely link with me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Teach Mr. Reed. Um, you can find my email on Google. Email me to send me some snail mail. You might not get it for about six to eight weeks um, after I get it, but you can definitely. I love interacting with people. That's what this world is about. It's about interacting with people. It's about engaging with people. I don't think I'm, you know, I have a big head, but I don't like to get big-headed. I know I'm a person just like everyone else is a person. So please hit me up, and you can definitely buy my book, Simon B. Ryman, at online retailers, at indie bookshops, anywhere books are sold. Make sure you get yourself a copy of them. Dwayne Reed, you are a delight and have made my day. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on Simon B. Ryman, and I look forward to an opportunity to talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you, Thomas. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The Atlanta Science Festival is planned for March 13th through the 27th. Joining us is Mesa Salida. She's the co-executive director of the festival. And Mesa, what big things do we have planned this year? I mean, what don't we have planned this year? We are super, super excited to have these two weeks where we're celebrating science and the importance of science and getting everyone together to rally around how exciting science uh, and engineering is. Seven years since the first Atlanta Science Festival, uh, a lot has changed, especially this pandemic. Uh, science has kind of been under the microscope. Will we tackle that at all? Yeah, so this year we have about uh, 80 to 90 events that are happening over the course of the two weeks of the festival. And like I said, it's going to look a little bit different. So we have about 60% of those that are going to be online as a result of the pandemic. And um, as a result of the pandemic, we're also going to be talking about the pandemic. I think people are a little bit tired of it, um, but it is the elephant in the room. And there is so much science going on that needs to be understood, that need, is begging to be talked about. And so we're really, really 
thrilled to have a whole bunch of experts talking about vaccines and just helping everybody understand the importance of vaccines and how they will lead us back to normalcy. So there are virtual events and some in-person events? Yeah. So uh, we, like I said, we've got the 60% that are uh, going to be online. And when I say online, I'm not talking about somebody just talking at you, um, but really something much more exciting than that. We have uh, partners who will pull together kits. You're going to be doing kitchen science, cooking in your microwave while you're learning the science of what's going on, making cake, um, and all sorts of other things that are happening with uh, hands-on science. So those, I think, are going to be really a lot of fun for families. Um, and then also we have in-person events, and these events are all designed to be socially distant. Um, a lot of them are just with your own family. So things like scavenger hunts where you might pick up materials and go around town and do things, walks, some exciting things like that. And then in addition to that, we have a few that are some small scale, max 20 people events that are socially distanced and masked and everything is outdoors. I think you just answered this, but this is not just for kids. This is for a festival for kids and adults. Yeah, I would say that this year we've got a little bit more of a family focus. It's usually um, for kids and for adults and everybody in between. But um, this year, because we've been spending so much time with our families uh, and the way to have some quality experiences are still with our families. And so we really leaned into that and provided a lot of really good family experiences. So who puts this whole festival together? <laughs> it's a uh, we've Just got a very you. small, wait, no, <laughs> we have a very small team um, who uh, kind of organized logistics around everything. Our organization, Science ATL, pulls it all off, um, but we could not do it without the support of our sponsors, without the support of our partners, especially, who are pulling together all of these events and um, making the festival really creative and exciting. Each year, I know the festival adds a number of signature events. Talk to me about the signature events for 2021. Sure. So we thought about what, in a normal year, our signature event, which is the Exploration Expo, offers. And uh, in that, when we do that, we see scientists, we um, we do hands-on things, and, and we thought, well, how can we do this in a safe way? Um, and we got really creative. So we have the City Science Quest, which offers you a little um, app-based um, scavenger hunt where you complete these missions uh, science-based missions and uh, learn about the science going on around town. Um, we have these discovery walks that are uh, kind of science stories told over the course of a walk. You pick up a map and you are led through Cascade Springs Nature Preserve or downtown Decatur or the Sweet Auburn District um, and learning about the science of railroad tracks and uh, breweries and uh, seeing some champion trees along the way. And then we also have um, what I'm most excited about, which is the Atlanta 40, which is a micro conservation challenge where we have selected 40 species that are special to Atlanta in some way, like the peach or even like kudzu, which we don't love, but we've got it. Each species has a video associated with it. And these videos are produced by um, some pretty amazing people. We've got musicians, we've got Freddie the Falcon um, from the Falcons, and uh, all these folks have come together to create these little videos. And then alongside them is a little conservation challenge challenge um, to help these species thrive. And um, each challenge on its own doesn't, maybe doesn't do that much, but when you take the 40 together, you're making a difference. And when you have hundreds, thousands of people in the city doing it, I think everybody's going to make a real difference. Uh, what's the youngest age a kid can, you know, a parent can think, hey, let's get our kids, you know, active and involved in the festival this year? I think that changes from year to year, but probably this year, I would say uh, five, six years old. What is the most fun thing for you about pulling this together and then 
watching people experience it, whether it's the way we've done it the first seven years or how it's going to be a little different this year. I love the creativity of our partners, but what I like, what cannot be beat is when, and I'm not going to get it this year, but when I see those crowds of people, 30,000 people who are all excited about science in one spot, like, I mean, people beating down the doors to get into things about science, like, it's just, it's amazing. Was there anything that I missed or something else you wanted to make sure that we let our audience know about as it relates to the two weeks of the Atlanta Science Festival beginning March 13th? Just go to atlantasciencefestival.org and sign up for the different events and uh, join us for some fun. Can't wait. Mesa Salida, Atlanta Science Festival, thank you so much. Thank you. COVID-19, we are a year into this pandemic, and among the things that have caused people great anxiety, housing insecurity. As a result, people, bad actors, are out there trying to take advantage of people. Housing scams are on the rise. Lee Ann Adams, the Senior Vice President of National Initiatives for Neighbor Works America, joins us. Are we seeing an increase, and how significant is it in the number of housing scams, Leanne, since COVID hit? Yeah, so Neighbor Works America works with uh, a network of about 240 organizations around the country, and about 75% of those organizations are reporting seeing an increase in housing-related scams right now. So we know that um, scammers prey on people who are vulnerable. And with the amount of job loss and housing instability, they're more at risk right now of these kinds of scams. Uh, right now, 11 million families are at risk of losing housing. Can you give us some examples? Yeah. So for homeowners, um, it's not uncommon that uh, a scammer might pose as a lender. They might request payment for a modification or promise that they can avert foreclosure for you. Um, if it's not coming from your lender, you really have to be careful. So as an example, we had uh, an organization organization that a counseling agency, a consumer came in and brought them this letter. It was on letterhead, it looked official, um, but it was requesting $1,300 to begin a loan modification process. And it wasn't from their lender. So you do have to, um, scams often come, they, they apply pressure to you, they want you to act urgently, they, they might request personal or financial information, they might request payment up front. You want to pause and avoid that urgent uh, that urgent request, the immediacy they're trying to put on you, and just check where it's coming from. Verify that it's a trusted source. Can you talk to us about the people who are most at risk, most vulnerable to these bad actors? Uh, yeah. So among homeowners and renters, I mean, right now we have, you know, as I said, 11 million families at risk of losing housing. Uh, many families have lost income. Uh, so there's there's a lot happening. There's a lot of pressure on people. In the last campaign that we ran in the last housing crisis, over 60% of the scams that were reported to us were against people or, or preying on people of color and senior citizens especially. And we know that those populations right now are disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. So the, they're the same people that we're seeing um, being preyed upon. If a renter is at risk of being evicted from their homes. What options do you recommend? Yeah, it's very confusing for renters right now and homeowners, but we really recommend that um, you get in touch with a local HUD-certified housing counseling agency. And we've launched this website, stockhomescams.org, uh, with sponsorship from Wells Fargo Housing Foundation. And there you can find information about how to identify scams and how to report scams, but you can also find local housing counseling agencies that work in your community and that have staff that are trained to support you. So those folks can assess your situation. If you're in a financial crisis, they can help you figure out an emergency budget. They can connect with your landlord if you're a renter. 
uh, they connect you with legal services or other things that you might need. We know that in some jurisdictions there is rent relief available, um, but you know that's short term. So you really do want to be thinking about long term solutions. How do you navigate through this financial crisis that you might be experiencing? And a housing counselor is trained to help you do that. Leanne, if someone thinks they've gotten caught up and they're maybe in the middle of a scam and want to get out, what do they do? We definitely want people to report the scams to trusted authorities, federal authorities, and you can find those links on that website. And then you can also uh, run a search and find the local HUD housing counseling agency in your community. Um, and you can, you know, reach out to them over email on phone. They'll, they'll work with you in whatever way uh, meets the restrictions in your community right now around the pandemic. Um, but they'll really collaborate with you to help you navigate the process, understand if it was a scam, um, and connect you with the services to to get out of it. And they can help you, you know, connect with your the mortgage lender, servicer, or landlord to find some solutions. And best options, again, for our listeners to visit for more information if they are in need of some assistance. Yeah, you can go to stophomescams.org. Leanne Adams, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time and for this very critical information. Thank you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.